Since the birth of modern sanitation, humans have been obsessed with living healthier, cleaner lives. Underneath kitchen sinks and bathroom cabinets and in every home lies a stockpile of cleaning products designed to make our lives spotless and pristine. The result? A multi-billion dollar industry dominated by the likes of Windex, Lysol, Clorox, and many more. These hundreds of different offerings, all produced by only a few companies, have one notable similarity. Plastic. And a lot of it. You're listening to In Good Hands, a show about the businesses and founders solving our climate crisis. And I'm your host, Peter Levin, and on today's show, how Sarah Yu and her company, Blueland, are creating a new type of CPG company, disrupting the notion that green doesn't clean, one tablet at a time. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. So Sarah, let's let's jump right in. What is Blueland? Yeah, so with Blueland, we're reimagining traditional household cleaning products and personal care products to eliminate the need for wasteful plastic packaging. And maybe zoom out a little bit. What, yeah. What is the particular problem set you're focused on? And I'd be interested in hearing a little bit about the plastics problem, how that is eating into our life. Yeah. So, I mean, the problem that we're focused on is that um, we believe that right now we're in a time where consumers have really good intentions, but they just don't have very much choice. So, um, about two years ago, I made the personal decision to cut back on my own plastic consumption and then realized that so many of our most everyday products like shampoo or toothpaste or lotion or, or window glass cleaner, they all come packaged in the same way in, in single-use plastic. Um, and so, you know, that made me think like, wow, there's like a really important role that businesses can play here in, in terms of just providing consumers more and, and better choices. And, you know, we decided really to focus on you know, packaging is one important aspect because packaging actually makes up um, close to half of the global plastic production. Um, and so there's just a big area for, for impact there. Wow. Yeah. And what was the eureka moment around this product specifically? Yeah. So the moment, it, it all really started when I became a new mom. Um, I had breastfed exclusively for 11 months, which is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. So, um, you know, after that, because of a long work trip, I was shifting my son over to formula, which was a really big decision because like I like was feeding him with my own body for 11 months. And so the bar for quality was really high. And when I was shifting him to formula, which is typically made of powder mixed with water, I was then doing a ton of research into like, okay, what kind of water should I use? And at that point I was even questioning like should I use, is bottled water potentially better than tap water and it was in that research that I found that the World Health Organization had just come out with a study saying that drinking water whether it was tap or bottled um, contained over 100 pieces of microplastic in just one liter and so that like crushed me I was like you know I've done everything I can to raise my son um, you know as best I could and now here I was with no choice but to make his formula with drinking water that contain plastics. Um, and so that's when it really hit me like, wow, like we can't keep consuming like this as a society because all this plastic that we're using, it's entering our waterways and our oceans 
And that's where it's breaking down into these tiny pieces of microplastic that are too small to filter out. And now it's showing back up in the water we drink, the food we eat, and the formula I was making my baby. Um, and so that's kind of when I made the personal decision, at least to try to do my part and cut back my plastic consumption. But, you know, definitely the stats that are coming out, I feel like at this point, like every month are just horrifying. I think just last week, there was a study that came out that said um, we are consuming on average each person per week about a credit card's worth of plastic. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 not a it's not a good place that we're in right now. Um and you know, I think you know a lot of people are you know absolutely as they should be focused on the big four like water bottles, straws, coffee cups, plastic bags. Um but you know when I look around there's just so many other areas of opportunity in in sort of our most everyday product. Yeah. So you start becoming more cognizant of the problem area, you you dig into the research, you have this kind of personal uh, affiliation or experience, what kind of inspired you to focus on this product area? Yeah. Um, and then can you talk to, like, what does it take to actually create this? It's been a long, long, hard journey. Um, but yeah, stepping back. So, you know, the initial idea was you know, how can we get better on, on the packaging front? And the aha moment really was, you know, so I, as a cons- just as a consumer, was wondering, like, why do all of these products come packaged in single-use plastic? Um, and then it kind of hit me like, oh, I think it's because all of these products are liquid, um, which is why they have to be packaged in plastic. And that met- led me to wonder, but could they be dry instead? Because when you look at some of these products like a multi-surface spray. It's mostly water. Like these products are over 90% water, um, which we have at home for free. Uh, so, you know, it made me wonder, could these products, could we remove the water from these formulations and make them dry like a powder or a tablet and have people add their own water? And if it was dry, could we then package them in paper instead of plastic? So that was some of, you know, the initial thinking um, that inspired this concept. And at that point, um, that point, I was um, spending a lot of time with my co-founder, John Mascari. He was the founder and CEO of a company called Bundle Organics, which is a juice and tea brand um, for nursing and pregnant women. And I was on his board of directors um, for a couple of years. And uh, we sold that business beginning of last year. And he's always been, you know, very sustainably minded. And obviously, he had deep experience sourcing and manufacturing very high quality foods. Um and at that point, we were spending a lot of time thinking about this problem. Uh, but, you know, we were both not chemists. And so we weren't sure if any of this was doable. Like, sure, it was a fine idea to say, like, oh, I wonder if these things can be dry. Um, but the next step was really to, like, confirm that with someone that actually had a chemistry background, ideally in this space. Um, yeah, so at that point, you know, that we, we did a big search, and that's kind of how we found our chemists. We searched high and low. We literally reached out to probably hundreds of chemists on LinkedIn. Um, and we were very fortunate to connect uh, with our like top choice. And he was a director of formulation at Method, which is the world's um, sort of one of the world's largest non-toxic cleaning companies. And so he was definitely critical in the process of developing this product. Um, but initially, though, this is not where we started. Initially, um, John and I were very focused on toothpaste. Uh, because it was just a huge pet peeve of both of ours that like that toothpaste tube 
just isn't recyclable. It's a aluminum plastic blend, so it's extremely durable. And um, that was one area where we were like, there needs to be a better alternative for consumers. Um, and so we had developed actually a toothpaste tablet close to two years ago. But with that product, just like with everything, you know, we, we didn't want to be developing things in a black box. We wanted to be going out and getting consumer feedback and making sure that this is something that people would adopt. And interestingly, you know, we went out to 40 people, had them use it for two weeks and overwhelmingly people just came back saying like this, it was just really hard. It was a harder category to switch out of because it was in their mouth, because they had real concerns about efficacy. It had to do with their teeth. And there just was a lot more at this point in time, brand loyalty in that space. Um, so that actually, you know, made us shift gears a little bit. And while that's definitely a product that we're absolutely interested in launching and we think is very important, we wanted to start with a category that was easier for consumers to switch into. And I think there's the other set of categories, like toothpaste, shampoo, deodorant, where consumers are just like, you know, more hesitant mm-hmm. to, to make that switch. Um, so I have to, I have to, have to ask before yeah. we get into um, kind of the behind the scenes work mm-hmm. that went into the packaging, yeah, the yeah. formulation. Can you just tell the listeners how exactly does it work? Like if I'm buying a cleanup kit, yes, how does it work? Yeah, so um, when you buy a cleanup kit, uh, the cleanup kit is twenty nine dollars and comes with three bottles and three tablets. Um, that's all you need to make a multi-surface cleaner, which is our yellow one, uh, a glass and mirror cleaner, which is our blue one, and then our pink one over there, which is our bathroom cleaner. And all you do is you simply um, fill your bottle up with warm water. So this one here contains some water. Um, and then our tablets, which come packaged in paper, um, you simply open up. And these are kind of designed to be childproof. Sometimes they're even difficult for an adult to open. <laughs> um, you just, better safe than sorry. Yes, better safe than sorry always. But these are also non-toxic, so if you were to eat it, you would actually be okay. You just should drink a lot of water. What? Really? Not that we would encourage <laughs> adults, children, or pets to consume these in mass. But um, yeah, you just take it out of its wrapper um, and simply drop it in. And then that's it. At that point, it will start bubbling. Um and no shaking or stirring required. And after a few minutes, you have a full bottle of solution. You could just stick good the nozzle right on and you're good to go. I mean, this is this is amazing. And now, anytime I want, uh, I need more cleaner, I just get the tablets. Yes, yes, yes. So, so the beauty of the system is that you never have to buy or throw away another plastic cleaning bottle ever again, um, which That's is nice. And like, yeah, it's a big deal. And it's funny because like when you step back and think about it, you're like, yeah, did it make sense for me to go out and buy a brand new bottle of cleaner every, every time? time when plastic was designed? Like the, the big, you know, the big, you know, excitement and innovation around plastic was it was designed to last forever. And yet, you know, for so many of these products that we go through, we just, you know, at the end of just a few, you know, minutes to days to weeks we toss out this packaging that then lasts for like seven centuries like if you let that sink in it's crazy that you know yeah that that that's kind of how we operate and that we are in such a single-use mindset as consumers at this point in time so now i'm 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 fascinated in the actual product set yeah the packaging the production the formulation um i mean i I looked on your site and I, I did some research on yeah. everything that went into that. But that is, I mean, 
the the we had a guest on a couple weeks ago and she's the head of sustainability at a pretty large company and they said you know a lot of a lot of uh emerging companies will focus on making the most sustainable product but they ignore kind of the end-to-end life cycle so can you speak a little bit about kind of what it took to uh source uh you know your production partners what went into the packaging i mean i'd love to hear kind of some of the behind the scenes work that went into creating the cleanup kit. Definitely, definitely. So I have a lot to say about all of that um, because it has been quite a journey. And from the beginning, you know, John and I were very focused though on making sure we were doing things right, sort of on an end-to-end basis. And we also want to make sure that we weren't so focused on one issue, like potentially like eliminating plastic packaging, that we were then doing a disservice on some other end that we were unaware of, like on the carbon emissions front. So from the beginning, it was really important for us to partner with Cradle to Cradle, um, which is the world's most comprehensive product assessment um, and certification program. And with them, they really helped us evaluate our entire you know, supply chain production pla- um, process, everything sort of end to end from an environmental perspective. And so that piece was really important to us because, again, we didn't want to be so focused on one small element of it and potentially be working with a supplier that did not have good practices. Um, and so that was sort of a critical partner for us um, every step along the way um, for both, you know, our bottle development as well as our tablet development. So I think that's, you know, it's absolutely a great point. And I think, you know, it was an interesting journey as well because um, every step along the way, this process really highlighted for us, you know, how there are so many of these difficult decisions to make as a business where um, it's always a trade-off, right? I felt like, you know, so many times we were, uh, we were faced with the decision where doing the right thing by the environment would actually cost us more, and both from a time perspective as well as from a money perspective. And um, oftentimes it were things that we knew that the consumer wouldn't even you know, likely appreciate. Um, but, you know, that's where John and I, just as founders, like even just to ourselves, wanted to prove that in this day and age, you can build a company the right way. Um, and that's like, you know, one of, you know, the many visions we have for what we're building. Like we do want to build a new kind of CPG company. A lot of the existing, you know, massive companies, they've been around for some of them for like hundreds of years, like founded in the 1800s. And so we understand how it's difficult when you have such a massive, you know, infrastructure and company in place, how it's hard to kind of redo things from the ground up. But, you know, here we have this incredible opportunity to really like build this business from the beginning the right way. And we really wanted to do that. Um, but it was fascinating. I mean, even with this bottle, for example, um, the paints on this. So we use um, three different paints. So we have one on the bottom here. We have the label paint here and then we have the paint on the nozzle, um, and even in sourcing these paints, you know, we could have easily gone with a supplier that would have been literally 10 times cheaper, um, but, you know, we wouldn't have felt confident about, like, that those suppliers were not approved, right, by Cradle to Cradle, and they would not go through that process with us. So it may have been okay, but it might not have been, and honestly, a consumer wasn't going to ask us, like, where did you source your paint? You know, what are the ingredients in your paint? It, it, it really isn't an area of focus, but, you know, that's where we decided to go U.S. based, you know, 
pay up 10 times and just do the right thing because for us to sort of set that precedence, you know, this early in the company formation process, it's just, you know, yeah. So it's, it, it, it's, it's been a very interesting uh, and also just very gratifying process. I mean, it's a big deal because, you know, uh, something that we're trying to introduce here mm-hmm. is that there does not need to be a tension between uh, commercial opportunity and sustainability. Yes. And even if there is trade-offs, yeah. like you should be integrating sustainability first principles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as you think about every part of the life cycle of a product, yes. your organizational values. Yep. And you're doing this from day one. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's really exciting to be able to do that. And I think, you know, honestly, we're very lucky to be in a time though where I think sustainable packaging and doing right by the environment actually makes sense, uh, actually does good for the business. I think, you know, we were in long periods of time where typically sustainable packaging, especially the implications of that for a business were purely, you know, higher costs, lower margins. But now I think there is so much demand from consumers who want to cut back on their waste and want to cut back on their plastic packaging that um, it actually makes for good business for once. Um, which is nice. And I think that, you know, that is something that is, you know, outside of anything that we've controlled that again, we're very fortunate to be in that period of time. And I think it's, it's enabling a lot of businesses like us, um, to, to do, to do quite well. So you touched on a little bit about, uh, your customer segments Mm -hmm. and what customers care about, what parts of the product resonate. So you, I remember I read a piece um, where you you were talking about the marketing focus mm-hmm. and how maybe the initial target is eco-conscious customers, but it it will it should and will be something that's much more broad-based and mainstream. How do you think about navigating that challenge? Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear kind of how you think about grabbing the attention of the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. So. Um you know, that's also been very core to our mission. You know, we wanted to develop a product that wasn't just for like the hardcore environmentalists. Um, and the way that we viewed that we would really maximize our environmental impact was to truly maximize our reach and create a product that could be in every household in America. And I think that's one thing that gets me so excited about this product category is that, you know, in my past, I've been in fashion and sort of the other categories that were more discretionary and arguably unnecessary, right? But I think the beauty of these products are these are products that everyone, every household in America already has in their home. Like everyone washes their hands, everyone washes their dishes. And so I think with these categories, we do have this opportunity to convert like every household in America. That said, you know, we know that we need to flip a lot of these traditional eco sort of notions or stereotypes on their head. I think when people hear eco, they think it's going to be more work, it's going to be more expensive, and it's going to be less effective. So on that front, you know, from a ease of use perspective, um, like I showed, the products are super easy to use. You simply fill your bottle with water, you drop a tablet in, there's no, you know, Good to know. you know, chemistry or lab work required at home. That's all you need to do. Um, from a price perspective, it was really important for us to make sure that this was a product that Ideally, save the customer money, right? That, again, 
Eco has typically had the reputation of being a more expensive option for people. Um, and so for us, it was really important with the tablets to hit a $2 price point. Um, because at a $2 price point, it's unequivocally cheaper than going out and buying a full new plastic bottle of solution. It's about half the cost of a comparable. And so, you know, when you buy the bottle up front, you know, buy your second refill pack, you're actually saving money, which is really exciting. Um, and then third bit was just effectiveness. I think that's the other area where eco has a really bad rap. You know, people think, great, if I go eco, it's going to work less well. And at the end of the day, like the consumer's trying to clean, right? It's not a it's not for fun. It's not a hobby. Like they're, they have a job to do. And so, you know, the other thing that was really important for us when we set out in building um, this company and these products were that we wanted products that were proven to be more effective or as effective as the leading comparable brands, which we've done. You know, all of these cleaning tests that we use are standardized, you know, approved by the EPA. Um, and at, for every single product, we've been able to beat um, the leading competitive brand. Like, yeah. So not only are you completely flipping the product category on its head when mm-hmm. it comes to sustainability, but you're winning on price, you're winning on efficacy. I mean, there's no reason not yes. to have one of these in your home. <laughs> yes. So that's that's really, you know, that's really like the sort of the holy grail that we set out to do and agree. And that's why I think, you know, those are, you know, the three big boxes that we want to be able to check so that we could go out there and say, like, you actually can have it all. You know, you can do good, um, but also save money and have a product that, that works. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be curious. Um, I mean, I don't know if, if we have a bias because we live in New York City, but... Yeah. Obviously, there's some the the waves are turning uh, when it comes to legislation. There's the plastics ban. There's mm-hmm. a number of more ambitious initiatives that are coming down the pike. Yeah, I'm curious. Do you think that the legislative environment at large has helped channel or push the effort forward in any way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, I think that's another area where on the timing side, we've been very fortunate. There is such incredible momentum on the legislative front um, around sort of curbing plastic consumption, whether it's at the local levels with, you know, New York City and the plastic bags or California with the bags and the straws or just whole countries, right? Like Canada um, just, you know, is moving to ban like a wide range of single-use plastics. Um, the EU, as well, earlier this year has committed to by 2021 banning a wide range of single-use plastics. So it's it's definitely an exciting time, and I think you know a lot of the products that are being banned, whether it's um, straws or bags or um, water bottles, I think will you know just help raise. Um, awareness and just the mindfulness of consumers and, you know, help consumers look to other areas of their life um, to see where else they can cut back. I think similarly, we're very lucky to be in a period where there's, you know, plastic pollution continues to be a very hot topic uh, on social media um, and in the general press, uh, which which has also been, you know, amazing. And I'd, I'd love to to also hear your thought on, so we, just, we talk about awareness here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many times when you bring up this idea of competition. There's, yeah. It's it's negative some. Yep. But I'd imagine if there are different product categories entering the space, does that kind of raise the water for all players involved? Absolutely, absolutely. I think you know we've we've never viewed competition as truly competition. Like these are you know massive areas of opportunity. I mean, even in like household cleaning and personal care, it's a sixty 
billion dollar industry in the U.S. alone, there's plenty of room. And I think, you know, the bigger fight that we need to fight is just raising awareness and shifting the consumer mindset from single use to reuse. Um, and I think that's a and it, it is a behavior change. And we're we're definitely not, you know, hiding from that fact. Um, but, you know, even like, for example, TerraCycle, like I love what they're doing with Loop, right? And TerraCycle's working with, I think, many, if not all of the biggest CPG brands to do this sort of milkman um, reuse model. And I think they're launching it in New York and Paris to start. And I think that's amazing, right? I think, you know, them being out there with the power of the big CPGs, like telling this reuse story of like telling people like, yeah, why are you, like, don't throw away that ice cream container, just get it refilled, like, get your mouthwash container refilled. I think that only helps sort of us in just shifting people's mentalities to, like, yeah, actually, it makes no sense to throw away the package every time. Um, and I think that benefits all of us. Yeah, we're actually, we're having Tom on in oh, a couple Oh, great. Weeks. Oh, that's awesome. So that's awesome. That's really great I mean, I'm hear. a huge, huge fan of, I mean, everything he's built with Terra, to Terra, with TerraCycle to date and then the Loop program, it truly is a... A, a visionary um, thing that he's doing, yeah. So, I'd love to transition to impact. Yeah. Um, you know, at at In Good Hands, we're really focused on um, kind of productive, optimistic dialogue, mm-hmm. and I think one way that we can channel uh, or put forth that type of messaging is talking about impact. So, at Blue Land, yeah. How do you guys think about impact? How are you measuring it? How are you thinking about it? Yeah, yeah. So a couple different ways. Um, you know, obviously from a plastic consumption point of view, you know, that has been a big area of focus. And even there, you know, we were excited to start with cleaning products, which is, you know, arguably a less exciting category, but it is one where, you know, in five billion cleaning bottles are thrown away each year, uh, which is crazy. And, you know, even if we were just to convert U.S. households today to our set of products, we could take 100 billion plastic cleaning bottles like out of the market. And so, um, you know, we're, you know, obviously very focused on on that element. Um, But I think in addition to that, you know, carbon emissions is another area where we're actually working very hard to try to quantify that. Um, You know, at minimum, we know that there we know that that like our tablet versus a bottle is like one two hundredth of the footprint. Um, And the way that you think about that is, you know, when you compare a full bottle of solution that might be like 20 to 32 ounces, um, our tablet is actually 300 times lighter and 200 times smaller, um, which has huge implications in a world that one is increasingly e-commerce, right? Like these categories, these product categories have been growing, have been shifting online at like a 50 to 100% rate, a percentage growth year over year. Um, so e-commerce is here, even for you know a lot of these household categories, um, but it just doesn't make sense to be um, shipping around all this water, you know, not just from a cost perspective, but even for, like very much so from a carbon emissions perspective. Um, and so, you know, there, our tablets definitely can have big impact, um, as well as, you know, not just e-com, but even for traditional retail distribution, if you think about a truck, you know, full of products, you know, going to your local Target, like they could fit 200 more of our tablets on a truck than a bottle of a full bottle of solution. So there's there's really meaningful implications there. Um, as well as, I mean, there's so many ways that you could cut it. I think bulk is another exciting area um, where because these tablets are so small, you know, you could have like 
a nine pack of tablets, that's like nine bottles of solution and it would fit in your pocket, right? Or, you know, smaller than your iPhone, it would fit right in your drawer. Um, and we have price incentives to really incentivize consumers to buy bulk. So when you buy bulk, you know, the tablets go down to $1.50 per tablet. Um, and bulk is always great because whether it's reducing your number of drives to the store or the reducing the number of times you're getting something shipped to you um, from online, uh, you know, there, there's really meaningful implications. And you know you're going to well. need it. And you know you're, you're going to need it. it. Yeah. yeah. And again, as a mom, it's really nice sometimes just like check something off your list. For, for the while. next year. Exactly. For the for year. The, You're yeah. like, I have enough glass cleaner for two years. I'm good, <laughs> right? Um, exactly. Exactly. And I have to ask, because um, I, like you said at the beginning, that the mission of Blue Land is, is much broader and ambitious. Yes. Um, and I know you're starting in this category, but yeah. are you able to talk uh, a little bit about maybe what other products or categories you're tinkering on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, the, the vision is much broader than the cleaning sprays that you see here. Um, and we really do, like I said, like we want to build like a new kind of CPG company of our generation. You know, we want to be global. We want to span across personal care, um, household, household cleaning products to start, personal care, beauty, you know, potentially even like food and beverage. There's so many areas where... You know, beauty and food and beverage especially, like there's such a reliance on like that one time single use packaging. Um, but, you know, more near term, we'll be focused on household cleaning products. So we'll be, our next product is actually launching in just a month. Uh, and then we'll launch into two other categories within cleaning um, by the end of the year. Uh, and then we'll continue to launch products quarterly next year. Whew. Yeah, yeah. So we have a, have a lot of, lot of work to be done. Yeah. <laughs> next up, where Sarah thinks Blueland can really hit it home, and my personal favorite, the lightning round. But before we get there, I'm so pumped to introduce this season's sponsor, Bite Toothpaste Bits. Bite is this totally new take on toothpaste. It's free of harsh chemicals, preservatives, and most importantly, plastic. So instead of the sticky paste and plastic tubes that linger in landfills, you pop a tablet in your mouth, you bite down, and you start brushing. It foams up just like the regular mint toothpaste. And here's the cherry on top. So Bite has never extended a discount on their product before, until today. For the first time, Bite is offering listeners of this show an exclusive offer on your first four month subscription. So if you go to bitetoothpastebits.com, you use the code INGOODHANDS, you'll get $5 off plus free shipping. So that's code in good hands and see why thousands of customers rate Bite five stars. Again, I love my Bite toothpaste. They eliminate plastic waste. They use all natural clean ingredients. They don't leave any of that sticky goop all over my bathroom counter. And seriously, we brush our teeth at least twice a day every day. Right? We're going to need toothpaste, so why not choose a cleaner, all-natural alternative that's just as effective, if not more, and fun to use? So try out their flagship four-month supply at BiteToothpasteBits.com, use code INGOODHANDS, and let us know what you think. Now back to the episode. kind of final final question when it comes mm -hmm. to impact you talk a little bit about building a new kind of cpg company but 
what's kind of the moonshot? What's the potential total sum impact of a scaled blue land? That's, <laughs> I mean, I think that could be like, I, I don't even know. Honestly, I haven't even begun to quantify that because I think if you think about going into like all the areas I mentioned, like beauty, ma- massive, massive industry, and then again, food and beverage, another area that kills me when you think about like, you know, you just think about the center of the grocery store and all the single use package, like snacks and beverages. Um, I mean, if, the, if just cleaning alone is a hundred billion bottles. Um, I think the number would be insane, sure, insane, yes. and hard to believe. But again, wow. these—that's why these numbers just get so big. Like I think the other day, I was like, I was reading like we use a trillion plastic bags per year, a trillion. You know, the whole—it's five hundred million plastic straws are used every day in the U.S. alone. Yeah, it is. The numbers are Holy. astronomical, and so I think that just, like, I, I think even if I were to, like, calculate the impact that we could have, it would be so large that it would so be hard to zeros. believe. You had so many zeros. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, so now it's my favorite part of the show. Okay, uh-oh. <laughs> it's the lightning round um, where I'll ask a couple questions. We'll try to answer them in 60 seconds or oh less. Oh, my God, that's going to be hard for me. Are you ready? <laughs> I will try, yes. So... I was on your LinkedIn and I yes. saw that before Blue Land, you were the founder and CEO of Snapet, where you reimagined kind of the lo- local fashion shopping experience. Um, another company, Rockets of Awesome, where you created a smarter, new way to shop for kids. So I'd love to know what is the most interesting shopping or e commerce innovation you've seen recently? Ah, that's a hard question. That's a really hard question. Um, I think it's hard for me because obviously I've been a student of the space and there's been these waves of areas of excitement, but I feel like some of these things just haven't panned out. Like, so I was very excited about body imaging, like when it came out, I was like, that makes so much sense. If people can like have a 3D thing of their body, it would make online clothing shopping so much easier. You could even see like a little like mini you in the outfit, in the size, and like, you know, have her turn around and jump and see how it fits. And that hasn't quite panned out, right? I think other areas were beacons, right? Like local, like bridging online to physical and having these beacons in store that um, can provide uh, the, t- the level of data that we have online for the physical store experience. Again, I feel like it hasn't quite panned out. Um, same thing with AI. I think AI chatbots, I think there was a lot of excitement there initially and a strong push. And I, I just don't think it's become a game changer, you know, quite yet. So I would say it's funny. I feel like I've gone like low tech. The most, ex- the most exciting thing I've seen recently was um, this company called Let Us Grow. It's by, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a um, they create these farm stands that um, are quite compact and they have lots of these little, you know, holes in them where you can put seedlings inside. And it enables you to grow 20% of your food right at home in your backyard. And it uses 90% less water. It's self-fertilizing, self-watering. Um, so you just, like, kind of put water on the bottom once a week. And each week you're producing all this produce, like, fresh, um, clean produce that you can eat at home. And I think that's so exciting. I think getting people reconnected to the food that they eat is um, really important for just food waste, which is another issue that I care pretty deeply about. It's a big contributor to climate change as well. Um, 
so I love I love the idea of like leveraging technology to kind of bring you back to your roots. And I would argue it could relate to retail because it's for sure it's leading you to buy less at the grocery store. Yeah. I'm going to have to check. Them yes. Out. Check them out. So definitely. I, I'd love to know this is this may be uh, uh, tied into the next question. Yeah. Um, but maybe apart from let us grow, if you could invest in one company in the space, who oh would it be goodness, and why? Oh my goodness, that's hard. That's a hard one. Um, who would be the company that I'd invest in the space? Um, I mean, I love what the folks are doing over at Misfit. I think you. I think they were a guest yep. with you. I mean, I think. I think it's an incredible concept, and I think similar to us, they're checking a lot of boxes for the consumer. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's a lot more sustainable. It's driving value, which is really really great and convenience. Um, so I'm really excited about about what they're Six. doing. Yeah, um, that's amazing. I'm yeah. with you with that. Yes. Um, third question um, has to actually do with uh, a video I saw. Uh, with you as one of the featured guests. Uh, it was an ink video where you were discussing um, kind of the, the struggles, challenges, opportunities with being a mother and raising capital, launching a company. Yeah. So I'd actually like to know, what are the competitive advantages of being a mother yeah. while launching and building a company? Oh, I mean, I, I think there are so, so many competitive advantages. I mean, it's so hard. It was so hard. I was kind of terrified going into it. And if I've heard many people say, like, you can't grow a human and a company at the same time, which <laughs> is not true. Um, it's difficult. It's time cons- both are time consuming, obviously. But I think it's made me such a better founder or entrepreneur um, for a couple different reasons. I think one is it definitely drives focus and prioritization, which I think is so important. You know, you yourself have the early stage background at any given point in time. There were so many, there's like so many opportunities that you can be running after and so many things that you have to tackle. And I think um, when you're trying to also, when you have a very strong incentive um, to also create time for something else that's important, it really focus, it really forces focus and prioritization. Um, so I think I've definitely become better there. I think I'm spinning less wheels for sure. And I'm, you know, really um, forcing myself to think about like what will really have outsized impact on the business. So that's definitely one. I think too, um, I think also with entrepreneur life, it can be all consuming right? Like there's so much to do that you definitely could spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just working on your startup. But you know, that's not healthy and that, you know, drives burnout. And I think, you know, also as an entrepreneur, you need to be in touch with what it is like to be a regular consumer so that you can see sort of through the trees or see the forest through the trees. Um, And I think, you know, it's been a nice juxtaposition having, you know, my business, but also, you know, carving out real time every day and weekends to spend with my son. Um, because with startup life, it's so fast paced and everything's always like spinning and it's go, go, go. And that's what also makes it exciting. But it's really nice with my son, who's two years old. Um, you know, everything moves so slow, but in a good way, right? He's like fascinated by like, it's snowing and he's just like, wow, right? And he's watching the snowfall and he's catching the snow and he's tasting the snow and it's like all so new and exciting for him. And it's really nice to view life through that lens. Um, 
and appreciate all the little things when another part of my life is like moving so fast. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for this business, I think being a mom has also helped me again get be more in touch with sort of our target customer. I, I do think if we were to say who's our target customer, it's it's not the hierarchical environmentals. It probably would be the mom, right? And um, she's busy, but she has good intentions. Um, but she's savvy and she's trying to balance, you know, a lot of different things. And now that I'm in that seat, I think it's been a lot more helpful for me to understand what might matter to her, right? Even with some of these categories that we're launching, like hand soap, um, it's interesting. As a mom of a young child, I just know that moms like foaming hand soap. Like I wouldn't have had that realization before I became a mom. But now that I have a toddler who's washing his hands all the time, foaming is just easier because it's it's already halfway there versus yeah. if you start with gel, you have you to like, like lather it, it up. Um, so even little things like that, um, I think I really appreciate, um, yeah, the contribution of being a mom, you know, back to by founder life. I love life. it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. We're codifying this. <laughs> um, the last question, and it's a question I ask all of my guests. Yeah. Who has had the greatest impact on your learning and why? Wow. That is so hard. That is, that is so, I, I think I'd be really hard pressed to just pick one person, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I've learned a ton from my past sort of partners and mentors from the startup studio that I was at prior. So um, like you mentioned, I had my first startup, which was called SnapEd. It was a mobile shopping app that I started about 10 years ago. Um, and I ended up selling that about almost four years in um, to one of the world's largest shopping search engines at the time. And that was a fantastic experience, but I was a first time founder. So um, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, and it was interesting being sort of that first time founder because I felt like I always had to have all the answers, right? Whether it was for my team or for the investors or for all like the retails and brands that we were trying to work with. And I think for the first time in my life, I didn't have um, a boss. I didn't have someone giving me real feedback, someone really looking at how I was making decisions day to day. And I think at the end of that experience, um, I craved that mentorship and kind of always questioned what would another sort of very experienced, successful entrepreneur, how would they have approached this? And so when I had the opportunity to help start a startup studio with the founders of Rula Law, um, I jumped at it. You know, Ben Fishman has been incredibly successful both in the physical retail wor uh, world as well as the digital. So he had built Lids, that cap company, which has wow. 800, 800 locations, you know, like every mall in America. Oh, yeah. So he had deep physical retail experience. And then they launched Rula Law, which, you know, he built very, scaled very quickly and sold for probably a couple hundred million dollars um, just a couple of years in. Um, extremely charismatic. And, you know, when I had the opportunity to start a startup studio with him, kind of I jumped at it because I was so, you know, interested in again having that again and also just seeing how another you know, a startup entrepreneur that's been extremely successful, how, how they would build businesses. And so, you know, I was very fortunate <clears throat> to work, you know, you know, very closely with, with that team for four years, building four incredible, launching one business per year for four years. Um, oh and I think that's definitely given me another sort of amazing set of experiences and lenses to approach building Blue Land. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you have it. You handle the four lightning round questions <laughs> <Yes>. with ease. <laughs> um, I guess before we 
we end the the piece where can people find you Any yes last plugs yeah so um everyone can find us at blueland.com so www.blueland.com uh, you can also fo- follow us on instagram at blueland so we've made it very easy <laughs> amazing well thank you so much sarah this no was thank so you fun. so much this is really fun thank you wow so fun talking to sarah again huge thanks to her for coming on and to courtney for making this happen and sincere thanks to all of you for listening thank you for giving us a little bit of your time today if you enjoyed it please consider subscribing and writing us a review it really does mean a lot to us and huge thanks to bite for sponsoring this season of in good hands also Special thanks to Lucas Arndt and Dan Mahoney, who produced this week's episode, Javier Quinones, who designed our creative, and to our music director, Eddie Knuckles. I'm your host, Peter Levin, and if you'd like to recommend a guest, sponsor an episode, or help spread the message, you can find us on social at InGoodHands or our website, InGoodHands.us. Again, huge, huge thanks to all of you for your support. We really do appreciate it and can't wait to bring you another new episode next Tuesday.